Well, good to be here uh, with you. Uh, well, as Tim was introducing me, uh, I remember first instant that uh, when we met first time. Uh, I, I remember it because uh, the way he approached me and introduced himself to me, uh, I, I really felt the spirit of humility. Uh, to me, uh, humility is the most important virtue. Uh, and God is very interested in that character in your life and mine. Uh, and for that to be developed, uh, guess what? What he does? A lot of sufferings. So I, kinda, I was kind of thinking, you know, uh, I, I sense humility from this guy, and I bet he went through a lot of sufferings. And then later, uh, as I got to know him more, and I saw uh, some of the instances in the past that brought him closer to God, uh, and then uh, totally by God's grace that he's been uh, serving the Lord and making a great impact. And I'm very proud of my friend Tim, and it's my privilege to be here uh, with you all. Uh, I, I just think of uh, my life, and my wife is here with me, and I was just thinking, there are more than several times uh, I had to say goodbye to my wife because both of us felt that uh, she was going to be with the Lord. And, but totally by God's grace, uh, we are still here serving the Lord. But the most recent time, it was me, I had a heart attack uh, right after uh, preaching at Sarang. And on the way back to my uh, parking lot on the Gangnam Street, uh, if you are familiar with the Gangnam style, that's where my church was located, uh, I just, just collapsed uh, totally by God's grace. Uh, I'm, I'm still alive. And the, uh, so uh, every single day, uh, your life and mine, uh, we experience the grace of God. Uh, His grace uh, is so abounding. It's an abundant grace of God. Uh, you all know that Job described that, that we are born for trouble, just like a sparks fly upward. And so that is just natural thing. Uh, we are not surprised with all the difficulties and challenges uh, we may have up until now, and some of you are going through it, and eventually we will experience it. And, and that's no surprise for us because uh, that's, that's, that's part of uh, life uh, in here in, in this fallen world. But in the midst of it, uh, he may not get rid of our pain uh, or our situations, but you and I, we experience his joy and his grace. Uh, and His grace is always enough, more than enough, and it's, it's sufficient for all of us. But James is talking about there is a greater grace, more grace. And uh, so I am just uh, amazed at the grace of God, and I heard that uh, you've been going through the series on grace, where the charis appears about a little over 150 times uh, in New Testament alone, and undeserved favor uh, that you and I uh, have experienced and we are still experiencing. And I hope that from today's message that we can see more of that and give all the thanks and glory to the Lord. You know, Christian life uh, is a journey. It's a journey of grace, journey of faith. And, uh, and then actually there was a starting point. Uh, some of us who grew up in a Christian home may not remember exactly when. I still, I really don't, but I know around seven years old, I, I met the Lord. 
I, re I remember uh, it was uh, from the reading of the Bible, the children's book with pictures in it, not complete Bible. And, and I, I grew up in a Christian home, but I, I wasn't sure of my uh, salvation. My grandfather was a pastor, my dad's side, uh, you know, third generation Christians, my mom's side, fourth generation. And, uh, and, uh, but uh, I had a deep trouble as a young child that what's going to happen if I die then? So that was the greatest problem I had as a young kid. And I prayed to the Lord, and I asked him, can you just speak to me audible voice? You don't have to speak to me three times like you did to Samuel. And uh, once it will be enough, how about, can you, can you appear in my dreams? And which none of those, he answered it. But somewhere along the way, I was convinced that I was a sinner in need of God's mercy and grace. I knelt down. I received him as my master, my Lord, my Savior. And I still remember my first response to him, having understood the gospel truth and encountering this great God of grace and love. My first response was, I'm going to live for him. You know, that's the very natural response of every single brother and sister who understood the gospel truth. They would respond that way. Because we were dead in sins and transgressions. We, we were running toward hell with full speed and and, but God came totally by in His sovereignty and in His grace, and He saved us. And we are delivered from sin, and we are His child, and we walk with Him. We live in the grace of God. You know, how can we not give Him thanks and all the glory? That's why we are here worshiping Him, which is the most important activity of the week. It's corporal worship, as each day most important activity that you and I engage in is a daily worship of the Lord. And I believe, personally, the climax of the worship is the time when the Word of God is proclaimed, and then we respond to that with spirit of humility and obedience. And I hope that as we look through this passage, the Sermon on the Mount, the climax of the sermon is started from chapter 5 and move on to chapter 7, and Christ is not inviting us. He is more like a commanding and demanding us to make a choice. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Uh, tough, tough verse. You know, to me, I consider three things uh, very important in my ministry. One is the concept of the remnant. I sp speak quite a lot on that topic, that there are always those few who are chosen, even the, the most difficult parts of the world that I know there are some remnant there, that there will be few, but those true followers of Christ, those are chosen by God. And so I, I, I want to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and find that person. The second one is leadership development, which I am doing it. You may call it disciple making or coaching, mentoring. And another one is the marketplace. And what Tim Haas and I have very passionate about it. So I connect those. Wherever I go, I walk with the Spirit of God, be led to the remnant, and just bring those people, how small, it doesn't really matter, Love them, coach them, and mentor them, and disciple them, and then develop them as a mature followers of Christ, and release them into their market, marketplace. And by that, 
the kingdom of God is expanded. And they are blessed, and God is pleased, and He's glorified. So, in yours and mine, there was a starting point. We call that theological term is justification by faith, faith alone. It's an instantaneous moment. We may not remember it, but the time that you and I, we enter this narrow gate by faith, by the grace of God. And we call Him Abba, Father. We sense His presence, the Spirit within us, testify with our spirit, your mind. And we experience more grace and more. And the Word of God come alive to us. We encounter Him in a very dynamic way every single day. And we sense even more of our own self sinfulness, and we struggle with it because we do have this remaining sin, although we are a new creature, and yet we come to the Lord and we appreciate more of his gospel message, the cross that he bore for our sins, and we give more of ourselves to him. We love him. We serve him. With all that we have, we follow him by the grace of the Lord. Well, start point, it's kind of exciting time. Because there's enthusiasm at the beginning of any race, any journey, because you experience new stuff, you now know you belong to God, there is a joy and peace you never experienced in the past. And then the end of journey is the theological term that is glorification. We will be with the Lord. We, we finish our race, our journey here, and we'll be with Him. And that's knowing that when you're about that time, knowing that your race will be over, uh, you will feel pretty good because I've read my race and I'm, I'll be with the Lord just hanging in there a few more weeks or a year or two, then I'll be at home with my Lord. But the difficult part is the middle part, connection. We call it sanctification. The late Dr. Von Sovner, Southern Baptist preacher, he said, the hardest part of the journey is neither the start nor the finish, but the middle mile that we go through life's journey. It's a long, long process, especially when we are sick physically or even more emotionally. Then day seems like years. It seems like it will never end. And it's difficult. And in the midst of it, we cling to the Lord. And we walk. We don't give up. If we stumble, we get up. And we move on. And what do we experience? We experience our God displaying His grace in the midst of pain and suffering and hardships. We, explain, we, we, we uh, ex experience more of God because all these sufferings and difficulties, we go through it, it will bring back to God himself. And, you know, you may recall some of your difficult times. And those are the times, that, what did you do? I remember all I did was prayer. Every, my, all my focus was just, just to Him, nothing else. And just, just that intimate fellowship with Him, just the thinking about Him and clinging to Him. And that's a, such a joy looking back. 
When life is easy and good, then our tendency of depending upon God and, and seeking God, it decreases. Unfortunately, that's our human nature, our, our selfish ego. This process of long sanctification. If you enter this narrow gate, and you and I, we are going through this narrow road, but this is the road that will lead us to heaven. You know, we need to think it through. This is, this is tough. Jesus said not many, but a few. Why? This is a difficult road. You and I, we are experiencing it. You know, what was your journey like? You know, I can go on and on and, and speak hours and hours about my journey, and I want to hear about your journey. And in that dialogue, we will be just filled with the Spirit of God, and then we will glorify God, and that will be awesome fellowship. But let me mention a few. I appreciate Dr. Luke, recording Luke chapter 9, 23. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know, that's something that you and I, we experience in this journey. It was, it was good to, you know, come to the knowledge of him and, and become a Christian. And, and wow, wow, I think... You know, if you're exposed to the wrong gospel, like prosperity gospel, you might was thinking that now all the blessing is waiting and I'll be healthy and successful and all that. But as you follow the Lord, that's not true. The Bible says, for to you it's been granted, graciously given, just like a grace gift, not only to believe in Him. The belief in God is His grace and suffering, His gift, but also to suffer for His sake. Suffering is God's grace. It's gift. If that suffering is not caused by my own sin, but in God's sovereignty, He brings that to us to cultivate us, make us more like Him. So, in this journey, we will learn over and over again, this journey requires self-denial. In fact, to me, it, uh, Sacrificing self-denial is the foundation of discipleship. I was very interested in discipleship from my high school years. I was with Campus Group for 20 years, focusing on disciple-making ministry. I pastored a multi-ethnic church for 13 years, focusing on disciple-making ministry. And I was called to become a, a missions director in one of the mega churches in Korea for five and a half years, and, and that church was known for disciple-making ministry, and I travel around the world, and I've encountered many organizations, individuals, and churches. Their focus was making disciples, and they said, we are training. We have a discipleship program, and we do this, we do that, and in that training program they have, it all talk about sacrifice, self-denial, but unfortunately, it was rare, in my experience, all around the world, to see a follower of Christ actually living out life of sacrifice. When the time of conflict comes between two individuals or associations, ministry, denominations, if one individual or one person, one organization, if they practice self-denial, Things will be resolved, but no one is sacrificed. They are fighting, and there's a split. There's an ugliness, and, 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 and a so sad reality. Self-denial. Tough, but that's what you and I, we go through. 
If I'm going to add one more, we know that this road requires complete trust in the Lord. Complete trust in the Lord. You know, uh, you may recall some of the uh, past experiences with when you felt like you were at the edge of a cliff and God was telling you, jump, I will catch you. You know, that's how, I, how we feel. When we are trying to trust Him and Him alone, that's how I feel. And I'm pretty sure that's how you felt. Or it's more like uh, there is a river, you know, the, the stream is going so fast and there's no stepping stones, none of those. And, and then, just like God told Moses, you know, go forward. And then you, you, you're feeling that I, I need to move on. But you're saying, come on, there's, there's no stepping stones and I'm going to drown. But by faith, as you move, what do you see? Ten stepping stones all the way? No, just one. One at a time. Trust. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And I had a recent experience of trusting experience. A major one was about two years ago. At the height of my career, my housing was taken care of, my children's education taken care of, automobile taken care of. I didn't have to worry about monthly income. And God showed me in that position, Paul, it's time for you to move on. He showed me four or five different signs very clearly. It was a difficult choice. It's not like he's showing me, Paul, this is where you need to go. I want you to uh, resign here and go there. It's not like that. Just like uh, what he told Abraham, not knowing where to go. You know, just, just go. It took one week. On Monday, my day off, I went to a prayer place with my wife. Where we prayed together. We both felt strong sense this is God's leading. And so it took one week for us to obey. And I remember uh, a few months later, one of the night, I was sleeping, and then I heard some, something, and my wife was weeping, and I said, you know, what, 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 you know what's wrong? And she was saying, you know, how, how can we survive? How can we take care of our kids? And all that. And I said, remember, we, we obeyed God. We sensed his strong leading. He will provide. And the following day, three individuals, two of them I still do not know, they put $15,000 into my account. And ever since, it was miracle after miracle. You know, he, he was clearly telling me, Paul, don't do fundraising for you. Just follow the way of Hudson Taylor. Just pray and see how I provide. And he's been doing that for the last two years as a missionary, as a faculty member traveling. And just, I'm just experiencing over and over again. But that trusting part and just going forward, put your step forward, it's not easy. But we, we grow. Uh, we understand more of his goodness and his grace. And eventually, you and I, what we will experience, we know this road, we cannot go back. We got to keep moving forward. Jesus said, I am the door. What is the function of the door? It opens and it closes. Close the door of our past, and we gotta keep moving on. 
Apostle Paul says, one thing, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. Paul's passion was just one thing. I just want to know Christ. I want to experience the power of His resurrection. I, I want to experience and, and, and join the fellowship of suffering. And I will consider all of the stuff that I treasured in the past as a dung, as rubbish, to gain Christ, to become more like Him. So Christ-likeness, grow the, the whole sanctification process of becoming like Jesus Christ was His one passion. And he aimed for that. And if you look at the context of Philippians chapter 3, that was what he was talking about. He's not talking about fulfilling his dreams or goals. No. His heart was completely consumed to become more like him. So Jesus was saying only two choices. Small, tiny gate, followed by narrow road. Only few enter it. You got to enter naked. It's, a, it's not a corporate thing. You got you to do it individually. It's like a going through a, a turnstile. You cannot take your baggage through that. So it's a, your personal, individual decision to put God first. It's not like adding God into your life. I remember... Uh, when I graduated from university, I went to Indonesia with a couple of other guys. We were there about two months going around preaching the gospel. And, and I remember this one guy. He was really blessed. And then, uh, so with a translator, uh, we, we were talking, and he said, today is the greatest day of my life. And he said, I received most powerful God. So we were really happy, excited. But what he said after that really disturbed me. He said, you know what? I've received about 50 gods in the past. Today I add another one, but I think Jesus Christ is the most powerful God. So uh, <laughs> I had to re-explain everything. No, that's not how you receive Christ. You renounce other gods and you put Christ and this God as your only God. And you give all that you have to him. And now he is your Lord. He is your master. He is your king. And you follow him. And to that, he just responded like that young rich ruler did. Remember the young rich ruler, he came to Jesus. He came to the right person. He, he had a question, how can I inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus gave him the right answer because to him, he was rich. That was his God. That was his idol. So he, to him, he said, sell everything you have and give to the poor and follow me. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't put God first in his life. You know, if you read a little bit more in the the Sermon on the Mount, like starting from chapter 7, verse 22, 23, and on. And you see some prophets recognizing Jesus. They were in for say, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons. We, we perform signs and wonders. They knew God. They did signs and wonders. But what did God say? I never knew you. Horrible statement. You and I, we never had an intimate, real relationship. I was never your Lord. I do not know you. You see the point here? It's not what we know is important. Does God know us? It's more important. You know, we live in a culture where we receive Christ in three minutes with a short five-minute presentation. And people make it so easy for you. 
Just repeat this prayer, sign this card, and you are saved. If you look at the life of Puritans, many of them, it took 15, 20 years for them to come to a place where they had assurance of salvation. They worship the Lord. They serve God. They do everything. They study the Bible. They, they, they love the Word of God. And it took a, a long time. And having seen the fruit of their sanctification, in later years, they were convinced that they were saved. And my prayer is that you enter this narrow gate and you continue this road. Bible says, if you abide in my word, continuation, you are my disciples. So we persevere till the end. You know, we see a lot of people. I see even some of my friends who used to serve God and all, and many are not walking with God. They left the Lord. And how do you explain that? I don't know. But I, I, can, I can remember John saying they left us because from the beginning they were not with us. So maybe their faith was not real faith, because if that faith is real faith, they will endure, they will persevere till the end. Of course, may a case of backslide, they may come back. But in my personal experience, very few cases of coming back. Once they left, tasting all this wonderful grace of God and all that, and then knowing all that they reject God, there is no room for repentance. Their hearts are so hardened. If you and I, totally by the grace of the Lord, He opened our spiritual eyes and we received Him as our Lord. We enter this narrow gate and we are walking through this narrow gate, denying ourselves, trusting in Him, serving Him, going through hardship like a good soldiers of Jesus Christ, enduring it. And in the midst of all challenges, experience more of His grace and more of Him, our Lord. We know this journey will end and we'll be with the Lord forever. We will see him as he is. No more struggle with sin. Perfect relationships. You know what? Number one reason majority of the missionaries do come back, they give up because of other missionaries. The relationship problem. I remember the, the Indonesia, the, when I was there after college, I met uh, Roy Robertson, who was the uh, uh, president of the TEL, we worked with TEL at the time, and he was the first missionary to China from Navigators, number one guy. And he told me, Paul, serving God is easy, but serving people is hard. And as a college graduate, I understood it, but it didn't really hit me. And as I got older, now I see it. You know, we, 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 we cannot see God, but we see People, brothers and sisters, and our even family members, and they give you a hard time, and they, there's annoyance, and then they're so selfish, and, and, and there, you know, we struggle. But up there, no more fighting with your spouse, no more rebelliousness from your child, no more betrayal, just perfect fellowship in the Lord. And we will see the Lord as He is, and we'll spend our eternity with Him. And when you think about that, the suffering sometimes we go through is just so minute. It's, it's such a short, short period of time. So may we love the Lord. May we run this race and finish strong 
because God already began a good work in you and me. He will perfect it. There is our confidence. The salvation is completely the work of God. He started. He will finish it. That's why I have assurance of salvation. He started. He's going to finish it. The reason that you and I, we are here worshiping the Lord, pretty good sign that we belong to Him. You know, we stumble in, in many ways. Sometimes we are disappointed. But remember, 2 Corinthians 5.21, the theological term for that verse is double imputation. All of our sins, past, present, future, was transferred, imputed to God, Christ, and His righteousness is imputed to us. What does that mean as we receive Jesus Christ? Him becoming our Lord and as we are united with Him. When God looks at you and me through Jesus Christ, He's like a window. And he looks at us as if you and I never sinned. As if you and I lived a perfect life. Because that's the life that Jesus lived for us. And his righteousness is imputed to us. And with that, how can we be discouraged? But at the same time, we know how weak we are, how stumble often we do. And just like a Paul, we say, wretched man that I am. I am a chief sinner. And there is no room for pride and arrogance. But at the same time, there is no room for self-pity because he loves us. And we are his children. And we are heaven-bound. And he said, I'm preparing rooms for you. It doesn't say mansion, rooms. We, we, we belong to his you know, family. We'll be with him. He has, he has a place preparing for you and me. So, brothers and sisters, let us walk with the Spirit. Let us love Him. Let us be saturated with the Word of God. Let us encourage one another uh, to do good works that God has given us. And let us just honor the Lord and glorify Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your goodness, Your mercy, and Your grace. Thank You for this beautiful body and team hearts and, and the leaders here. Bless them, Lord. Give them a spirit of discernment, greater, greater hunger for the Word of God, and just fill them with your spirit. Use them even more powerfully, and let all of us experience greater, abounding, abundant grace of God, that we would all confess, enough, Lord. Enough, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.